Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, the podcast about a podcast that just might be too beautiful to live. From the Stick of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, I'm Ann Lundholm. And tonight, my podcast partner on the line from the HelloFresh Studios in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, is Bobby Pape. <laughs> Hi, showmate. Hello, showmate. I'm just a pile of ingredients that I'm going to throw in the oven. <laughs> Are we going to get in trouble for using HelloFresh? Is there some sort of trademark? No, I think we're going to be okay. I think that this will already up the quality of their product significantly. Ooh, a hot take from Bobby on HelloFresh. <laughs> it was fine. All right. I'm looking forward to Blue Apron now. That's so cool. You'll have to let us know how they compare. Of course. All right. Well, it is a Friday show, as hopefully you know, if you're listening to this bright and early on a Friday morning. And on tap today, we have a 10 interview where we have a guest on to talk about why they listen to the show and share a favorite moment in TBTL history. And this is also a coast to coast recording because joining us today from Oakland, is that right? I'm in San Jose now. San Jose, California is Ellen Middaw. And I forgot to ask you if that's the correct pronunciation of your name. You pronounced it correctly. Yay. Yay. Um, hi, Ellen. Hi. Hi, Anne. Hi, Bobby. <laughs> it's great to have you with us. Um, our plan, as usual, is to do some LRB business, to find out a little bit more about Ellen, to uh, discuss her TBTL history clip, do a little housekeeping, and tell you how you can get involved with the show. So getting right into LRB business, we don't have any LRB business. The show is just <laughs> spinning along like a top. Everything's smooth. Everything's calm, unlike the state of the country. I mean, we are recording this a few days in advance, but I feel pretty, pretty strongly that we'll have a few more crises between now and the day that this episode drops, Right. Yeah, on behalf of America, to anyone in the rest of the world listening, we're sorry. I don't know what for yet, but we're sorry. <laughs> and behalf of my home state of South Carolina, we're sorry as well. <laughs> <laughs> we're just sorry in general. <laughs> All right, let's move on to something uh, much more interesting, and let's get to know Ellen. And the first thing I put on the run sheet that uh, I love your answer to is, do we call you doctor? And I said, not unless you have an educational emergency, because my PhD is in education. Uh, we could very soon have an educational emergency. That might be something that needs your expertise. Yes. Ironically, my topic of research is civic education, so how people learn about politics. I know. I'm so interested to talk to you about that. So as mentioned, you are at San Jose State, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I've, I've spent a little time in that area since my youngest brother went to the University of Santa Clara. Oh, yes. So right in the same neighborhood. Right Did around the corner. Like a big library or something at San Jose? Yes. We have a giant library that is, um, it's a public and university library, so we serve the city, and it's for the university. So it's seven stories. It's gorgeous. It's a really yes, nice library. Yes, because when I went there about, I don't know, 10 years ago now, um, we had to make a point of going to the cool San Jose State Library. Yes. Yeah. It's a, I spend a lot of time there. <laughs> 
So um, I love that on this show, a majority of people are down with the cool library. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and like um, Anne and Meredith, I actually was for a long time a data analyst. So I knew I liked there. you. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I became a podcast junkie. So um, I see, and you mentioned that you're originally from Charleston, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. South Carolina. Yes. So how did you get to San Jose? Um, so my parents are still in Charleston, but um, they are Democrats, I promise. They've been fighting the good fight. And um, I moved out to California because I, just on a whim, actually, I graduated from college a little bit unexpectedly. I had more credits than I thought and didn't have a plan. And my sister was living in California, so I thought I would come out for a year and ended up staying because everybody accidentally graduates from college <laughs> how does that work I, i'm not the I, I had credits going in and i didn't talk to my advisor very often and so i just started getting mail saying i was scheduled to graduate and i hadn't been there the full four years yet and thought and I was on a scholarship, so they said I could stay, but I couldn't keep my scholarship if I stayed. So I went ahead and graduated. Oh. <laughs> See, I had something kind of similar because I went in with credits, too. So I was going to graduate yes. early. But the problem was yes. that I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. And so Neither did I, I. Thought, <laughs> I thought, can't I just stay in college for the fourth year and just take some classes and figure it out? And they were like, well, actually, you have to be enrolled in some sort of degree program to do mm-hmm. that. So that's how I have a communications minor. So I just took a couple <laughs> of extra classes and then burned the rest of the, the credits on music classes, actually. But See, you are destined to be a podcaster. <laughs> I guess. Uh, I actually stayed for a fifth year because I meandered so much and so many of my credits were independent study English mm. that I had to um, actually take a couple more real classes <laughs> before I could leave. But it worked out really well because I similarly got toward the end of my fourth year and realized I had no idea what I wanted to do other than come back for another year. So I just did. Yes, I should have stayed. It was I spent a few years in California just kind of meandering around in my 20s trying to figure out what I was doing. I like that, so that's though. That's what your 20s are for. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. I was out. always so worried about the next step that I don't think that I spent the time being free. I was always like, what's the plan? What do I do? What's the next step? The problem is I was actively worried the whole time while I was meandering around <laughs> figuring it out. <laughs> uh, it sounds like you went back at some point, though, because you don't just come out a doctor. No, no. I went to grad school at Berkeley. Okay. And, um, oh, ho. So you really are a super liberal. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty far left, which is unusual coming from Cal- uh, South Carolina. But my parents, I think, are the only people I know who have gotten more liberal with age, too. Oh have too i think yeah but i i sort of think i mean not to turn this into politics hour but i think Mm -hmm. that um the meaning of of conservatism and republicanism has changed over the last generation somewhat so that is true there's there's not the same place for certain people in the party anymore exactly yeah so all right so i do want to talk about your research if we can because it sounds fascinating to me. I, you know, nobody said that until this election. (laughs) (laughs) 
it really was a pretty marginal area of research. It doesn't get funded the way science education and that kind of thing does. But I've been studying it a long time, what gets young people involved in politics and um, what kinds of curriculum actually seem to work because most people's U.S. government classes were not exactly fascinating. Um, so I study different experiences that sustain motivated engagement in politics and community life. And so, yes, and more recently, I've been actually looking at digital media and civic engagement. So how do people use the Internet to find information? What kind of information literacy is needed? So, yes, I suddenly feel incredibly relevant. Yeah. Have you had more <laughs> more interest just recently? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I did a study on experiences with conflict online. Do people see more conflict when they're getting their news through social media? Shocker, yes. Um, mm -hmm. And I have another study looking at the impact on people's, um, particularly adolescents and young adults, their sense of interest in politics, whether it kind of squashes their interest in politics or makes them seem feel less able to participate. Um, so that's gotten some attention. And then I have a media literacy study, too, that I'm trying to finish writing up. How were we able to book you right now between all the Sunday shows? I feel like Chuck Todd should be talking to you right now, not us. Well, and unfortunately, I don't have major answers to this problem because we're, it's all so new, so we're still figuring out the strategies. They're definitely uh, – education does seem to help, but it just hasn't been a major focus. So, um, When this is all said and done, uh, as a doctor, will you be qualified to do the postmortem on this? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, well, I, might I don't be know. In a bunker. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Chris Hayes listens to our show, um, but if you do, Chris, get in touch with us, and we'll get you in touch with Ellen, and you can have a bona fide expert on what went wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of this, some of the things that went wrong were things my colleagues and I have been trying to kind of call attention to to say, you know, there's all of this new information, but um, it's placing our huge burden on citizens to actually understand what the information is and um mm. and we should be doing more of this in schools preparing young people to actually sift through all the information and understand what's real and what's not and practice actually having civil conversations online you do a lot in classes where you learn to speak to each other respectfully face to face and they just haven't really thought about you can actually learn to do this online as well so I study teachers who sort of practice these things with kids and try and figure out which strategies work better. I see a really happy conversation further down in yes. our notes. But before we get there, I'm going to ask one more political uh -huh. question. And then maybe Anne will too. I don't know because I'm hijacking this. But <laughs> um, just in light of everything you've said about your studies, mm -hmm. I'm curious if you saw this coming more than the average person did. I, I was not shocked i thought it was possible um i don't think i saw it coming more than every average person um you know i still thought hillary would win but i did think it was possible and um and i've been obsessively listening to political podcasts so so i saw some signs towards the end that with the polling data that made me nervous um and just growing up in south carolina I, um, you know, 
I, I have some sense that my Bay Area bubble isn't exactly how everyone feels. Well, I've thought the same thing. I think uh, the, the lesson, one of the many, many lessons that, that those of us who have lived in our little worlds for so long have realized now is that we have not been talking to our neighbors yes. <laughs> enough and, and not respecting their problems and concerns in life because once they found someone who said they were listening – Yes. Yeah. And I was sort of aware that um, we had a study where we were looking at whether people forward information that they get. And so whether they actually assess whether the facts are right or whether they're facts involved. And so um, we hadn't finished analyzing it before the election, but the uh, sort of looking into it, it was looking kind of um, concerning. Mm. I think I read something just today that said that people shared more fake news stories than they shared real news stories mm. on social media. Right. That that doesn't surprise me because the mm. fake news mm. stories tend to be more um, sensational. sensational. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, nose up on this negativity train, ladies. Yes, yes please. Let's talk about dogs. <laughs> I was pulling a frizzel and snooping through your Facebook pictures, Mm -hmm. and I saw lots of really cute puppy dog pics, and I want to hear all about it. Yes, that's my dog, Archer. Um, He is insane. Um, What kind of dog dog. is he? We don't know. He was a mutt on the mean streets of Oakland when we got him. Just a little puppy. And the shelter said he was a lab shepherd mix, which I think they just put to say he's Please don't think he's a pit bull. Um, oh, he does look a little pit bully. Yeah, we think he's got some pit bull in him, some ridgeback. He's he looks mm-hmm. quite a bit like a smaller version of a ridgeback, and then who knows what else. So he's about sixty pounds, super athletic. He climbs trees and rocks and things. And when the first year we had him, we would take him for these seven mile mountain bike rides every day to wear him out. Um, he's three now, so he's calming down. But yeah, he's a love bug. But he's a He's not an easy dog. When I hear Meredith talking about Eddie and the training, we're still doing a lot of training with him. (laughs) My mom occasionally talks about, oh, maybe she'd like a dog, but her criteria are doesn't shed, doesn't want attention, Hmm. doesn't need exercise. (laughs) I'm thinking like, well, not leaving yourself very many options there. Yeah, that might be a cat. A hairless cat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, he's a great dog, and we take him on these sort of long road trips in the summer, taking him all around America, backpacking. Is is he a good car dog? Yeah, he's a great car dog. He actually um, likes to hang out in the car even when we're just hanging around the backyard. So that's his safe place. Aww. Um, the other thing that I wanted to ask you that I didn't put in the notes that mm-hmm. I spied in your pictures is there were a couple mm-hmm. of pictures of, I, it must've been your wedding. Is that your husband wearing oh. the kilt in the wedding? Yes. My husband is from Scotland. So, um, like from direct from Scotland or yes, heritage? he was born, he was born in Aberdeen. Um, oh, that's so, so cool. Yeah. Most of my in-laws are in Scotland. Do you visit Scotland often? Not often. Um, We do go, let's see, every few years. 
Um, so we'll probably be going again. His sister's getting married soon, so I think we'll be going. Although she might be getting married in Greece because her boyfriend is Greek, um, our fiance. Oh, that would be um, a terrible hardship if you had to go to Greece. Yeah, that would be terrible. <laughs> so it's it's more expensive to go there than to sort of bring his mother here. So we go, she comes out every year and then we go every few years. But it's a little different when you go and hang out with family because you are basically, you're not going to castles all the time. You are right. slogging through the rain and sitting in the suburbs and drinking quite a lot. You're just staying at the one family castle. Right. <laughs> His family's pretty spread out, so <laughs> I made him go to a castle um, the first time we went, even though he said it was touristy, but I insisted uh, that that's... Uh... Yeah, you, you have to go to the tourist stuff. Well, and I grew up in Charleston, and I love the touristy stuff there. I will happily go to, you know, old forts and houses and things. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, is there anything else that we should for sure know about you before we start talking TBTL? I don't think so. I think, um, yeah, the only thing you didn't mention that I wanted to share was the data analyst passed. That's very cool. <laughs> that puts you in good company. Here. I got so excited hearing Anne and Meredith both talk about that. <laughs> We're really just all be nerds together. Mm-hmm. If only there was a place we could nerd out loud (laughs) i know (laughs) the thing about where i work at the university of minnesota is i'm a statistician but i work with all engineers and it's Uh, the first time i've ever worked somewhere where i've been the cool person yes statistician yes and my husband works engineers Mm -hmm. (laughs) my sister's an engineer and my husband works for a tech company and i seem to remember sitting down at a table of his colleagues and they all looked at me like the cheerleader had just sat down with them because <laughs> I was just popping in and making small talk. And I thought, huh, you know I was not popular in high school, right? I'm one of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I love working with engineers. It's really fun. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. I think, Bobby, you're going to uh, fulfill the TBTL portion of the interview. I think I can handle that. And we'll start with this. Ellen, tell us, how did you find out about TBTL? So I think, and I'm worried I'm misremembering, but I think Luke was on Jesse Thorne's podcast, The Sound of Young America, before it became Bullseye a long time ago. You mean before he got too old to host a show called The Sound of Young America? Exactly. (laughs) And I was kind of an early podcast adopter because I needed things to listen to. And, um, and so I think I remember Luke being on there and talking about the show and checking it out from there. That was probably a long time ago. Yeah. I was a very early adopter. There were only a few podcasts. Um, I used to listen to NPR while I did work and when it would hit a lull, I would, once I learned about podcasts, I got kind of hooked and I was sort of actively looking for them. I always like to ask people about this, especially people who started listening very early. Mm-hmm. The Sound of Young America was one of the really early shows. Yes. Did you have other shows early on that you I listened, clung to? Ricky Gervais had a podcast. and this Oh is my before... God, that limited run. Uh, it was only like no. 10 episodes. It was um, a longer one. It was with Carl Pilkington mm-hmm. and... They used to make fun of this poor Carl Pilkington guy. Um, yeah, I don't think it went for that long, but so I listened to that. Um, um, okay, have you seen Carl Pilkington's travel show? No. 
It's on Netflix. It's Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant decided to send Carl Pilkington to see the Seven Wonders of the World. Oh. And for people that don't know, this guy Carl is so <laughs> uninterested in the idea of seeing the rest of the world. And so he's they send him to places that they know he's going to be miserable and just oh, complain excellent. the whole time. It's great. I think it's called, ah, uh, it's like an idiot's guide abroad or something. It's in Netflix. And, okay. And an I, idiot abroad. An idiot I've abroad. seen commercials for it. I, I that up. have never laughed so hard excellent. in my life as watching that show. Yes. Ricky Gervais can be kind of mean sometimes, but listening to them be mean to him, that dynamic worked. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's amazing. <laughs> Excellent. So yeah, I listened to that. I listened to a little bit of Keith and the Girl because it was the only other big thing, but that was more trying to understand the culture. And so I that was a little too Howard Stern for me. Um, mm. But I, like I said, I was actively looking for podcasts at the time. All right. Well, and then the next question is always, mm-hmm. uh, do you remember... Your first episode of TBTL. I don't. Um, I'm pretty sure I was listening when Jen was on the road. Um, so I remember Jen sort of calling in from different places, but I don't remember the exact first episode. Uh, it took us uh, a few tries. We'll be conservative to get the tech worked out for this episode. Yes. And... <laughs> Thinking that you know, some of your first episodes were Jen on the road <laughs> makes me feel better about the sound yes. quality of this episode. <laughs> but it was it was early. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you remember the episode that turned you into a ten? Yes. Um, I guess what got me hooked on the show was the Jen getting hit by a hamburger story, which I know you guys have played on other episodes yeah that was meredith's episode oh yes yeah (laughs) there was just something about the way she was describing it and um yeah that just kind of kept me going even with the sort of gen in and out and the structure Mm -hmm. being uneven um but to be honest i haven't really felt like a 10 until the little red bandwagon started sort of having a bunch of other people talking about the show made me feel more part of it Ella knew exactly what to say to get to the top of the interview list. <laughs> I don't think I put that in my application, but. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we're here as a labor of love, and it's uh, fun for us every week to get to talk to other people who love it as much as we do. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Have you had any appearances on TBTL? Emails, voicemails, mm. uh, interviews? Nope, not other than having my name mispronounced as a donor. So I was actually very impressed that Anne got it right. People usually don't. Um, I'm better than Luke at pronunciations. (laughs) Yes, I heard it was sort of (laughs) middah. But I was still excited. But no, I I don't tend to call in a lot. I think I emailed a couple times but didn't have anything, you know, that really made it to the top. Well, you know, given the way current events are going, uh, you might be in your stride now. You should start thinking about ways you can work in your... (laughs) Working your knowledge. <laughs> the new question on the block that we're asking, do you have a favorite TBTL drop? Um, I don't know if this counts as a drop, but I love the Marcy Bielbergold, the sort of Andrews. I don't even know. The thing. <laughs> that was a good reproduction. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I used to do it out loud a lot when they were playing it a lot. I had been practicing it. 
And then I love the cat role. They don't play it anymore, but I loved that whole time when uh, the, Andrew would yeah, get cat Yeah, the cat, cat rolling era is so fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that one made me happy. In no small part to Bobby. Well. Yes, that's right. You're the one who got Genevieve to put it in the car, right? Uh, I, I had help. Um <laughs> That that was a that was a Mike and Bobby joint. That was awesome. I mean, and that was you know in in homage to to Jen Andrews physically mailing a CD across the country to Genevieve. Excellent. <laughs> to put in that car. Um, I'm I'm glad it's retired though. I'm glad I've reached a point where I can email Andrew and he will open things because right. he's not paranoid. <laughs> right. Right. I, I mean, we could have had fun with that for a long time, but at some point we would have been Burbanking the joke. Yes. Right. <laughs> I think it went about the right amount of time. Yeah. Uh, and as always, finally, and you have listened to the show many mm-hmm. times, so you know this is coming. Why does TPTL matter to you? Well, aside from being a person who just doesn't like to be alone with my thoughts, um, having something every day is wonderful. But um, I just really, when I started, I really loved listening to Luke and Jen because they were so kind of honest about their feelings. Um, And you guys have talked about the Jen magic. And um, I just really loved sort of all the little uh, segments Jen would produce in the granny time. But then when Andrew came on, I actually loved it even more in certain ways because um, I'm kind of an Andrew. I'm an introvert. Well, I'm an Andrew on the inside. On the outside, I'm definitely not an Andrew. I love cheese and I'm short and I like to exercise and I hate sausage. But <laughs> You're the anti-Andrew. On the outside, but on the inside, all the sort of puttering and the introversion and the overthinking things I'm very much an Andrew that way Um, and so for me it's kind of nice to hear Andrew and Luke interact and to sort of um, I always felt when I'd listen to Luke and Jen they were extroverts and I always feel a little bit like I wish I could be an extrovert and then to hear that Luke's actually really insecure too and you know the ways in which they share their perspectives is kind of fun mm-hmm. and luke and andrew really lift each other up exactly. in a way that i like a lot yes yeah yeah uh, and Anne will set it up in a second but i think you actually you picked a clip that really celebrates their just the way they play off one another that's so. why i love it well and i love kyra's doll but <laughs> I, I think Anne shares that with me i'm not sure <laughs> we'll talk about it well so let's not wait let's okay let's get this get this set up um the clip that ellen has picked is from october 24th 2014 it was episode number 1716 don't be a dombass and this is a pretty famous tbtl episode right and i made a list i listened back to the whole episode not just the portion that we're going to play and mm-hmm. i made a list of some of the other things that happened in that episode it was the first time i believe that luke played the perro drop that now introduces oh. rudy yes um there was a a very unnecessarily long and detailed discussion of andrew's plan to go to the gym more and the struggle of making the gym a part of your daily routine oh wow um <laughs> luke told the story of um they were talking about bad interviews again, and Luke told the story about how 
um, Addie was in class and the teacher used Luke's Sigurose episode or interview (gasps) as the illustration of what not to do in an interview. (laughs) There was a cat roll. Andrew cat rolled Luke. And so then Luke dirt rolled Andrew. If you remember that awful Cleveland Browns tribute band, Dirt. So they had that going on. We had uh, an OPP from Listener Alley whose roommate was thought that she was anorexic. And we have the Donbass parking story where Luke talked about parking the wrong way in front of the post office at Port Townsend and the person that left the note calling him the Donbass. And you didn't pick any of these things to talk about. I you know. Picked- when I, I listened back and I thought, because I remember this sort of the Kai Rizdal impression so well. And then when I listened back, I thought, this is the Donbass show. How did I not remember that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'll add a couple of notes yeah. uh, to this, which is this episode is so chock full of great content um, <laughs> that we have actually used it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our episode uh, from back at the beginning of October with Phyllis features this episode but completely different parts of it i remember because i heard that and i thought oh i'm not gonna get on now because they've already used this one and um that's when i realized that the one i'd selected was actually the donbass show i'm always picking the things that other people uh there there are a bunch of things that people complain about that i think oh that was so funny or i really loved them going on like that there's plenty left to break down in this uh, uh but I also just want to say this this is to the credit of the the archivists because mm-hmm. this is a great example of where what our archivists have noted about an old episode will go so much deeper than what TBTL will write up because the entire description for this episode on the TBTL website is as follows. Luke gets a series of angry notes on his car for how it's parked and Andrew tries to talk himself into going to the gym after the show. <laughs> It sounds like a perfectly forgettable episode. It does. If it wasn't for the archivist, this material could be lost to history. (laughs) All right. So the part that we are going to talk about, though, that Uh you've chosen, Ellen, um, it comes in on the heels of the Donbass um, conversation. And I left a little bit. the, The beginning of the clip is when they're talking about some other Donbass um, did a parking job next to Andrew that effectively blocked him into his um, parking spot at the at the radio station because we need that to get into the context of the clip, which is simply Luke doing his impression of Kai Rizdal doing Marketplace Money headlines from Led Zeppelin songs. Yes, I mean that's all that that is. <laughs> So let's take a listen to that (laughs) (laughs) and we'll come back and talk about why it's such a great clip. In the case of the car that blocked you in, I mean, if you look at the photo, it's 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 unreal. It's almost like somebody's trying to mess with you. (laughs) 
You yes, exactly. That that is exactly how I felt. And I thought it might have been Warren Olney because he always parks next to me in the mm-hmm. morning. Um, but I don't know what his car looks like. Yeah, but he assured me. I showed him the picture this he morning. He has a Lamborghini Countach. He does. Oh, another car that always parks near us because I think it must be us who get in so early, get these kind of prime spots right by the science building door that you have to walk through. And so the other car, so it's me, Warren, and somebody who drives a like it's like a Saturn or something like a black Saturn with a bad paint job with a license plate Led Zeppelin. With Ooh. some characters missing in order to make it fit, of course. Now I um, want to meet the Led Zeppelin person. That's so great. Bad. That is not a person I would expect to be parking early next to the science building at a college. I know. Um, Weird, right? But, you know, it's funny. You mentioned this car that's blocking you in, how you took— I think it's Kai Rizdahl, by the way. Oh, my God. The Led Zeppelin car sure. or the person who blocked yeah. you in? The Led Zeppelin car. Sorry. Silver lining alert. We're about to go over the hills and far away. I get it. It's a lemon. Squeeze my lemon. Wall Street squeezed my lemon, baby, but the juice <laughs> didn't run down my leg. I like the way you know that uh, you were a um, you were an adolescent boy in America. <laughs> if you can only li- if you can only name or quote one Led Zeppelin lyric, it's always going to be the dirtiest one, right? The lemon song one. Anyway, um, retail hey, uh, one, retail real estate numbers are in, and these houses are anything but holy. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I agree with you. I want to riff with you on this, but I just want to come back to say that that idea of somebody touching your stuff is yeah. where because this to bring it back to this parking spot situation where I park, and that person was parked like a jerk. But it is an issue here. Parking on campus is tough, and it's always an issue. People can't find parking. I have a parking spot every day because I get in so early. But the spaces are really narrow because obviously they're trying to jam as many in as possible. So often, even if somebody isn't parked like a total jerk. It is still hard for me to get into my spot because people all drive SUVs now, and those SUVs are too big, and these parking spots right. are made for cars. And so somebody parks next to me. Like I haven't had to crawl through the passenger side yet, but often it'll be a really tight squeeze. And, again, it's, it's just the fault of small spaces and people driving too big cars, and what can you do about that? Um, but um, sometimes somebody – and I don't even think this is necessarily a, a thing of malice. It might be a, a helpful thing or whatever. But, you know, I have those side-view mirrors that fold in. Mm-hmm. And every now and then I'll come out and right as I'm turning, I'll note, you know, I'll, somebody I'll, has I'll pushed already, your mirror Somebody in. has pushed it in for oh, me. Oh, hell and no. My knee, really? That's funny because my knee-jerk reaction is always like, you, who touched my car? I'm with you. Like I always notice it once I'm driving. But then I'm like, well, maybe they did that honestly to kind of protect it because they parked close and we're all in this together. Like I do not think that whoever did that to me did it out of malice or even selfishness. Oh, that's really? what always bugs me. It's like oh, selfishness. It's probably somebody who's kind of like, well, I need to, you know, I need to get out here. These mirrors come in, but I always have this knee-jerk reaction of some son of a bitch was out here touching my car when I wasn't here. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't like that because to, that would seem to me like if you have to, and I wouldn't do that to somebody else's car. I would never, yeah, push somebody's mirror in because I'd be like, if that's what I have to do to fit in the space, then maybe this is not the space for me. Amazon reporting profits today, but it turns out they were <laughs> over the hills and far away. Nice, very good, um, very good. If anybody wants to just call me this weekend, yeah. I can just do this for a couple of hours. <laughs> do you have, have a, a list of the songs for you? Because I feel like I would have been a no. bigger Led Zeppelin fan than you. No, I um, I was really obsessed with the record Houses of the Holy. 
Mm-hmm. I got That's it as I got it as a Columbia House CD pick. Mm-hmm. I uh, learned for I in, when I was a senior in high school, we had to do a project in one of the classes where we had to do something for fifty hours. This was like. Uh, you know, pre Malcolm Gladwell, but it was Gladwellian. The the, <laughs> perf- the teacher just basically said you have to do something for a lot of time, and then you just have a whole class to present it at the end of the year. Like you had an entire class period to show whatever it was you'd done, and um, it was pretty interesting. The teacher was named Mr. Livingston. This was at Nathan Hale High School. It was pretty interesting because um, there were some kids who did pretty great stuff, and then there were some kids who clearly tried to pull something out of their ass. And it, this was your whole grade for the quarter. I mean, this was, you didn't have to do any homework the entire quarter. You went in. He talked about, like, Russian literature or something. And then you would – and then you were just supposed to be working independently on this thing. I remember this one kid. So I decided to learn guitar, and I learned enough guitar. I played the Led Zeppelin song, Over the Hills and Far Away. Hey, lady, you got the love I need. I learned it from tablature, which is the most agonizing way to learn a song mm-hmm. because it just tells you – Zero, one, it's like binary. And if you are supposed to press the string down, there is a like an indicator, like you press the string down at this point at, on the fretboard, and then you let it up, and then you press this one down, and you let it up. And this is how you learn how to play guitar. So mm-hmm. I, I was crappy, but, but it was clear that I had put in more than 50 hours because I went from having no knowledge of guitar to being able to kind of play a few songs. So I did fine. I was like in the middle of the accomplishment scale. But there was this one kid named Brendan Boyd. Really smart guy, really, like, good-looking dude, very outgoing, and apparently, like, a really good piano player. Mm -hmm. And his thing was, I'm going to learn how to play guitar. Mm -hmm. But he also, I think, was kind of a a procrastinator, um, owing to the fact that he was a smart kid and he probably was usually able to kind of pull it out at the end. But you can't pull out playing a musical instrument at the end. Mm -mm. And so we had to spend an hour... I mean, I think he had like the weekend before the class decided, like, I'm going to try to just get this thing dialed in. So now imagine an entire class hour. This is supposed to be the result of I said 50. It might have even been 100 hours. I can't remember. It was like a massive time commitment you were supposed to have put into this thing. And now we're watching him just like he can't play anything like he can't play a chord. He's try like it's all it's just super like stoppy, starty. Hold on. You know, have you ever been around somebody who's trying to play guitar? They can't play guitar. They just hold on. Mm -hmm. Hold on. And it's like just keeps not being the thing they're trying to make it. And also guitar is pretty hard. Like if you're not pressing the strings down enough, there's no sound. Is he doing the same song that you are? No, no, no. no. He was doing some other stuff. Just some okay, not non Led Zeppelin. Non Zeppelin. No, okay. he was not getting the lead out the way I was. He was keeping the lead in. Yeah, in fact, way yeah. in. <laughs> and, Here, I'm going to score the rest of the story with some Zeppelin, though. Go ahead, please. Um, yeah. What do you think is the best Zeppelin song? By the way, I don't know, but it's got to be something off of Houses of the Holy, right? I'm just look, I just picked this one kind of randomly. Um, yeah, it's got to. I mean, I don't know. I feel like. It's been so long. Like, when I think about Led Zeppelin and I think about the relationship I used to have with them, like, the I, crunch. I have I'm just to... looking at this album. Yeah, I know. The crunch. I can't remember. <laughs> I don't even know I how the you... crunch goes. Can you play the when crunch? When you hear it. Yeah, let me find this. I can play it from here if you want. Okay, you do it. I'll just stop this then. I was huge in the Seattle crunch scene. Yeah. Back in the... Um... But, like, I have an affinity towards, like, the records, and I look back at it, and I think, oh, yeah, I, I, I should listen. I was even just thinking, I should listen to Led Zeppelin 2 on the way home. But the second I start hearing it, it's just like, that ship has passed. Or sailed. sailed. See, I always like this song, now that I hear it. 
Oh, right. This is the one that oh, gets I, really, like, kind of I creepy. hate this one. This one gets like, ah, ah, yeah. No November yeah, what, what rain. Was this, this was not House of the Holy. Was yeah, it was. Anyway, um, sorry to our listeners. Um, yeah. We really. So you did? Oh, you, I don't think you finished your stories. Dancing. Oh, days. I was going to bring up some Boogie with Stew here. Remember Boogie with Stew? Is this off of the? I don't this think is I know off this. Of, um, no, this is not. Uh, this is uh, physical graffiti. I think. See, this shows you. This shows you what a non-completist I am. So I listened to Houses of the Holy incessantly, front to back. But that's good. If you're going to do it to the uh, Led Zeppelin record, that's the one to do. It I know, to, but yeah. most other people, if they like something, they're like, "Oh, I, I really like this." You know, I like this sound of this band. I like this album. They would then branch out and like learn some of the other music. I'm just the kind of person mm-hmm. that's like, "Yeah, I just like that Led Zeppelin record. Oh, that's enough for me." Mm-hmm. Because I'm so no, that's, that's, I, that's, I, I don't that's know. Fine, I, I, I admire people who are much more into being. This is come on, man. I don't even want to think about how many copyrights are being violated right now by us or by us. realized listening back to the show the other day, Luke, huh. when I do stuff like that, when I sing along or when... Oh, oh we there's a delay. The yeah, when remember we were trying to time the um, the the rim shot perfectly for me telling jokes and there yeah, was, yeah. Like a, was like a two-second delay, delay on it. I, you and I were totally playing by a different set of rules. But you made like it work totally, with the rim shot. Sort of. It wasn't until I listened to it later that I was like, oh, that's why the ones that I thought were really good you thought were off. And the ones that I thought were off, you were like, you nailed it. We got there, though, and that's the important thing. We got there. Um, so anyway, I don't know what the end of the story is. The end of the story is with the music is I played Led Zeppelin. It was not great, but passable. Uh, Houses of the Holy. The end of the story with the parking is just I'm a real Dombass. Turns out you are a dom bass. I, I guess what I wanted to go with this, and I, I think we're kind of getting a little bit long on time here. But so, <laughs> you have you ever gotten to the point where you forty-seven minutes notes? in, and we haven't gotten to one story that's on the list? But other than that, I would say we're doing well. Well, the parking thing was kind of on the list. I was going to mention it. I guess you're right. Yeah, but you um you were to say so. I was saying that like once every couple of months, I see some dom bass who's just like parked in some way that just drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. But I never leave a note. I think maybe once in my life I left a note. And I'll mm-hmm. bet you that was in high school or college. Because um, I have a very self-righteous thing. When I see somebody who's, like, acting in a selfish way in public, like parking their car in some Dombass way that, mm-hmm. like, bugs everybody, um, or it just kind of shows that, like, they don't even – to me, those people probably aren't even thinking about it, and that's what drives right. me nuts, that you can go through life just thinking about yourself and not even realize that you're thinking about yourself because that's how much you're thinking about yourself. Right. Um, and so I want to leave notes, but I never do. Have you ever left the note? Um – I don't think I ever have because I'm usually the Dombass. In other words, mm-hmm. I'm the person like here's what I saw, the person who parked you in, that was totally unacceptable, but I could tell I know exactly what was going through their mind. They had a paper that was due, mm-hmm. it had to be in by four o'clock, 
They pulled in. They were jumping out. They were running in to hand the paper off to the professor. They were running back and getting in their car. And in their mind, and I'm not saying this makes it okay because it doesn't because you might have needed to leave. And then it would have been a really annoying situation. But in their mind, it was like, oh, no, 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 I'm just going to do this thing really quick. And then I'm just going to – and I'm that kind of person. So usually I'm the person who's parked the wrong direction in Port Townsend or is, you know, somehow blocking somebody else because I know in my mind it's just going to be super fast, which is a bad way to go through life. I'm endeavoring to do that less um, just because of the fact that dancing days are here again. And I think we should all Mm -hmm. comport ourselves differently in light of that information. Did you use that in the Kai Rizdal thing? Because dancing days are here again would be perfect for... (laughs) Dancing days are here again for... BP, which announced profits are up $12 billion over last quarter. Hold on. I want to throw some more at you. Okay. This is better than anything else you have on the list. <laughs> yes, um, but that doesn't mean this is good. No, no, I didn't say that, <laughs> and I certainly didn't imply it. I'm going to give you an easy one. Okay. Sick again off of physical graffiti. Sick again. Housing starts sick again as the first quarter report is out. New construction down 3%, and Wall Street does not like it. Okay, that was an easy one. This one is a mid-range difficult one. Okay. The Wonton Song. Maybe this is actually a top-range difficult one. The Wonton Song. Chinese restaurant P.F. Chang's went public today, and they've got people singing the Wonton Song. Very good. As Love it. As the stock went up $20 a share here on its first day of public trading. I like that. I think, okay, now I'm going to give you a top-level tough one. Okay, okay? I'm ready. Um, let me, hold on. I want, to, I want to choose this correctly. I got a whole list. I have a list here. I'm looking at, I am looking at every Led Zeppelin song ever, by okay. the way, including okay. weird things I've never heard of from uh, re-releases and stuff. Okay. Um, I don't even know how to say the second French word in that, so <laughs> I'm not going to give you that one. Um <laughs> Luke, you know where I'm going. I don't. Jamaica? <laughs> Dire your maker? All right. Um. <laughs> now, here's the question. Am I supposed to go with the phonetic sound of Jamaica, or am I supposed to go with the larger question of did you have sex with her? <laughs> which is what the which is what Jamaica is. I think Jamaica um, is a reference to. I see, but it's also a reference to Jamaica, right? We had a big conversation. Somebody wrote us in. Right. And, and it's said, a joke it's because Jamaica yeah. is Jamaica, it's Jamaica, but it's also did you get, did you hook up with her? Jamaica. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's so, kind of um, either, um, let's see. I want um, you, you know, artist's choice on this one. Okay. Let's see here. Okay. Because um, I would actually say. Okay, I've got. Well, I've, you can go either way. Okay. Citizens of the U.K. unhappy with David Cameron today over news that the EU says that England owes more money to the EU because of its profitability. People asking David Cameron, why Jamaica with oh. the EU? It's a kind of, kind yeah, of sort of. No. There's a long climb Abs- for a short slide. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm very that's proud a, of you. That's a, based on a real news story from this morning, I am by the way. super proud of you. Thank you. You know what? I had my own applause ready to go. No, no, I'll provide the applause. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Well, um, let's see. Show's just about All right, I'll over. see you later, man. Yeah, it was great, actually. We should do TBTL at some point today. All right, so the first question that I had 
when mm-hmm. I listened to this clip again was what kind of car does Kyra's doll drive? <laughs> and so I got uh, the old Google fired up, not Ooh, thinking can that I, guess I would first? actually. <laughs> yes, go ahead. I'm guessing I think he might be a BMW guy. Hmm. Or an Audi. Well, I found uh, an article from Marketplace from 2011, and the actual content of the article is is not important. It was about cars. But it has a photo of a Kai Rizdal. He looks to be about 30 years old. And here's the caption. Marketplace hosts Kai Rizdal on cars. Wow, this makes me a little sad. Then... 1971 Oldsmobile convertible in photo, red white top, went about a million miles an hour. Now, Honda minivan with 150,000 miles on it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, at least five years ago, he was driving a Honda minivan. Okay, that makes me happy, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I did not mention in this photo, the 30 year old Kyra's doll is wearing a uh, Navy uniform. <gasps> and, um, Mirrored aviator shades. <laughs> and he, he has what my friend refers to as Top Gun hair. Oh, nice. <laughs> and I um, I mean, I, I have said before on this program that Kai Rizdal is on my list based on his voice alone, but I didn't really know very much about him. And so Wikipedia says that he spent eight years in the Navy First, flying a Northrop Grumman E-2 Hawkeye from the aircraft carrier USS Theodore Roosevelt, and later as a Pentagon staff officer. Then he got his M.A. in National Security Studies from Georgetown and joined the U.S. Foreign Service, serving in Ottawa and then Beijing. And I believe he speaks fluent Chinese. I can't remember if it's Mandarin or Cantonese. So I think what this means is that um, Luke's mockery of Kai Rizdal is based entirely on jealousy. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was true just of the radio career, actually. Yes, I think you're, I think we're not the only people who have had a voice crush on Kai Rizdal in the past. Yes. <laughs> and have you seen his tweets lately? I mean, I'm not on Twitter, I but for some reason... I have not been following I... him on Twitter. I caught one of one of his tweets, and then I went and looked at his Twitter feed. Uh, he says some pretty incendiary stuff. He is not afraid to put his political opinions out there. I will have to follow him. I've been listening. He's got a new podcast. I've been listening to that. I meant to check that out. What is it about? It's about political things. So they take a topic. Oh. It's called, I think, Make Me Smarter or something like that. Um, and they... So the first one, they've only done two now. And the first one, they had um, different listeners calling in from both sides of the political spectrum, talking about things they want the other side to know. And then um, I haven't listened to the second one yes, yet, but it's a little more informal. They kind of talk back and forth and um, make fun of each other a little bit. So it's a little less polished marketplace, but it's still produced. I'm going to add it to my feed. <laughs> And I will say, I'm looking at Kai Ristall's Twitter feed. Now, you're right. He is not afraid to take on the hot button issues. Mm-hmm. Just five hours ago, somebody tweeted at him today's article from Deadspin about whether or not Tim Tebow should actually be eating guacamole with a spoon. <laughs> yay or nay, Kai Ristall says, yay. 
They did talk about avocado in their podcast, too. (laughs) I guess he has strong feelings on the topic. (laughs) Well, as I ranted on Facebook recently at someone who was pro-Mexican wall, uh, it's okay if poor people can't get avocados in the future of America. It's the stuff we import about cars and medical technology that I'm worried Mm. about. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. Boy, I'm going to follow Kai yeah, me too. I'll put the link in the show notes, everybody. And not that you need it. His handle is Kai Rizdal. Whoa. <laughs> All right. Well, we could talk about Kai Rizdal forever. <laughs> At least Ellen and I could. Yes. <laughs> I'm tingling. I, I'm enjoying it, too. Don't worry. He's a, he's a handsome, beautifully voiced man. <laughs> Now, if only I could get him to hop into Warren Olney's Lamborghini Countach. (laughs) It's funny because I was pulling clips for a clip show today, and Luke also made a reference to a Lamborghini Countach in that. So I think that's the one model of Lamborghini he knows. I think it's the one model of Lamborghini worth knowing. Ah. It's a perfectly good pull. Uh, I'm sure someone he knew had a poster of one, probably, as a kid. So, you know. I'm looking at the picture right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take one other note talking about these cars, mm-hmm. and then it'll be a good transition into Led Zeppelin talk. When we did the Donbass episode, I actually used a picture for the show picture of LRB 157, I think, of this old Pontiac Grand Prix that I see around Pawtucket all the time. It's following me. It's places where I host trivia. I saw it outside City Hall one day. And the license plate is Led Zepp. Oh, excellent. <laughs> on this beautiful old boat of a car. How early do you think they had to get in there to get that license plate? Pretty well, so Rhode Island went from five digits to six we're a small state, mm. so six digits is now still the maximum. And so I'm thinking when they opened it up to six, that person was like first mm-hmm. in line. Yeah. When Andrew said that this car in question was a, a black Saturn with the license plate Led Zeppelin shortened up to make it work. I was like, wait, how? You can't you can't not tell us what the actual license plate said. <laughs> well, Cal- California's a big state, so it's probably like seven or eight digits. Mm-hmm. Seven, so you can I think. probably get, you know, L-D-Z-P-L-N or something. Yeah. This just continues my love and hate of vanity license plates. Mm. This is why I take pictures of every vanity license plate I see. And I liked Luke's observation that that is not the kind of car you'd expect to see parked by the science building, and early in the morning especially. Mm. But I don't know. Maybe it's a grad student. That's what <laughs> I yes, would think. Yes, exactly. That's what I would think. Yeah. Do we want to take a deep dive on Led Zeppelin? Are you... Are you ladies as passionate about Led Zeppelin as you are about Kai Ristol? Um, Somewhat less passionate, yeah. I would say. <laughs> I, I had a phase, um, which I think, yeah, I think there's an age limit, maybe. I'm not sure, but I seem to remember listening to it in high school, and then I was done. I think because I'm a little bit younger, mm. I missed the first wave of Led Zeppelin love. And so, like a lot of things from the generation before me, I get the greatest hits. So I think at one point I was thinking, oh, 
we're probably going to want to know what's my favorite Led Zeppelin song. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard not to just pick one of the bigger hits mm-hmm. because they're the songs that I heard so much more often. I still think it's got to be a whole lot of love just because of that, that opening riff. Ah. But, but I, I couldn't, I can't go too deep on it because it was just, it just, you know, I don't know. I, musically, I'm a child of the nineties, so I just don't have, I don't have the chops. Yeah, I'm about the same age as Luke and Andrew. And so I think the actual first Led Zeppelin wave was my friend's father was actually into it. But I noticed there was this period of time where every 18-year-old boy discovered Led Zeppelin and really got into it and Mm -hmm. sort of did the deep dive and then moved on. Uh, yeah, yeah, I had a couple of friends for sure that yeah. were big into Led Zeppelin, but I was a choir kid, and they don't do a lot of versions <laughs> of Led Zeppelin songs in choir, so I never really quite got into it. I was in marching band. I don't think we did that. <laughs> uh, my high school choir senior year did Bohemian Rhapsody, mm. so we were just at the other end of the spectrum of the era, I think. So, yes, I think it amused me because I just had this period of time where I noticed every boy of a certain age at the time <laughs> seemed to have their Led Zeppelin phase. So you don't have a favorite dirty song lyric you'd like to share? Oh, oh what's the Squeeze My Lemon one? Uh, the Lemon Song, yeah. 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 I mean, that's not my you favorite mean... song, but that's the dirtiest one I remember. You mean <laughs> Wall Street Squeeze My Lemon Baby, but right? the juice didn't run down my leg? <laughs> talk about this um this 50 hours project that luke talked about in high school having to do this although he's somewhat confused whether it was 50 or 100 hours right but uh the senior project where you had to learn something for some specified amount of time and then present it to the class and first of all i'm actually surprised that luke did the work so am i i actually remembered this incorrectly because I remembered the story but I had now remembered it as Luke had procrastinated and interminably sort of picked out his song one note at a time and it turns well, out Well that's it was... what makes sense. Right. <laughs> turns out it was Brendan Boyd. Oh Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> and the idea of a Led Zeppelin song note by note sounds excruciating. Brendan Boyd was apparently a, a good pianist, so he figured he could phone it in on guitar. Right. That was Luke's remembering of how that went down. See, doesn't that sound Wrong. like Luke, though? It does. <laughs> yeah, that surprised me. I actually decided that I wanted to learn guitar a couple of years ago. I mean, because oh. I, I played the piano okay, mm-hmm. and so I asked for just a, a non-fancy guitar for Christmas, and I started... Uh, learning some of the fingering and I was like this is hard and I keep meaning to get back to it but I haven't it's just a completely different thing from the piano yeah it seems I don't well I don't do music anymore at all but I never did chords so that's all out of my wheelhouse I feel like this is the way I learned how to drive stick which was that I told myself it can't be that hard drunk idiots have been doing this for (laughs) decades good point and i think about the people who can pull out a guitar and play one song and so for my generation that song would be i don't know probably green day's time of your life Uh Mm -hmm. 
you know the guy who can play one song mm-hmm. and anything else he's terrible but somehow he's figured out that one song if he can do it I could probably do it if I applied myself, but I've never tried guitar. Oh, yeah. Uh, just never interested me. Remember guys in high school pulling out the guitar to play Stairway to Heaven? Yep. Sure. Yeah. Or a little bit of Freebird because I did grow up in South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> well, the way. If you're that... going to learn a little bit of a song, maybe don't pick the longest possible song. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed this story from Luke because he is such a good storyteller. Mm -hmm. And the way he described Brendan's performance, Mm. uh, sort of fumbling and going, "Uh, hold on, uh, hold on, uh, hold on. I had this visceral feeling like, oh, God, no. I could, I had the same experience. I could feel it. And I have actually seen painful high school musical performances. So, Mm -hmm. And uh, Luke said he was not getting the lead out. And Andrew replied, (laughs) he was keeping the lead in. (laughs) Yeah, what I loved about this is just in the Jen days, I think it would have stressed Jen out to go on a whole tangent with the Led Zeppelin thing. And I, I just like how Luke and Andrew sometimes for not a very good outcome will go on a tangent, but sometimes they kind of strike gold and... It's fun. Yeah. Well, because Jen had things that she wanted to accomplish. Exactly. And I love her segments. <laughs> yeah. she. I, I don't know if you want to say that she was results driven or she mm. just wanted to follow through the plan, but she kind of or, or did her best to, to keep Luke on track as yes. much as one person can keep Luke on track. <laughs> but Andrew is totally willing just to go off on that tangent with him, which yes. leads them to some really interesting places. Jen also had to hit the post on news breaks and commercials through and now they can just go and go go and go (laughs) nothing like a two-hour tbtl yeah (laughs) uh i noted it was at this point where a classic tbtl moment happens and the guys directly apologize to the listeners for the conversation they're having, but then don't stop having that conversation. Yes. What was it? They said something about being, oh, 47 minutes in without hitting the story. I see. Right. 47 (laughs) minutes in and they still haven't hit the top story. (laughs) I noticed that when I was listening. I thought, oh, things never change. (laughs) Nope. And um, so at, at that point, at the 47 minute Point or whatever they kind of try to wrap up the Dombass story and the mm-hmm. Andrew Parking story and I thought it was super interesting because they're talking about leaving a note and right. Andrew says that once in a while he sees a person parking like a Dombass but he never leaves a note maybe he he thinks about it he wants to but he doesn't leave the note and I thought that is so interesting given where we are in the show right now Exactly. I listened to that and I thought, oh, previewing the Great Battle of Wallingford. (laughs) (laughs) This is before he got his purple pen. Right. (laughs) Wait, I thought it was pink. His pink, his pink pink ink, Bobby. Pink, pink, excuse me, pink, pink ink, right. Purple would be aggressive. (laughs) Yes, purple is something totally different. (laughs) Yeah, I would hate to send mixed signals with your car note. (laughs) And then, of course, Luke says that he would never leave a note because he's the one who's usually 
being the Donbass. Yes. And he goes on to give a really great rationalization about, you know, what this person who blocked Andrew in was probably thinking. I'm just going to be a couple of minutes. I'm just going to run in and, I don't know, drop my paper off and then I'll be gone. So um, he's very used to those mental gymnastics of justification. Yes, that's very classic. Classic Luke. I know you guys will talk about this later, but I was listening to Dave, him talking about trying to get to the airport on time, and I thought, that's how this happens. (laughs) Challenging the limits of space and time. Exactly. So the part now where they start really having fun is that Andrew starts challenging Luke. It's not just Luke coming up with a couple of song titles that he knows for Led Zeppelin and putting the Kai Ristel spin on them. Now Andrew's giving him titles and he has to come up with something. And I thought that that was really good showcase for Luke's mental dexterity. Yes, that's when I started really laughing and just, and I was impressed. He was able to take a news story and bring in a Led Zeppelin song and put it together. And, uh, and I thought Luke predicted Brexit through Dire Maker or Deer Maker or however you say that one. Um, we're going with officially Deer Maker. Deer Maker. If I remember correctly <laughs> from the way the guys wanted to land on that. But yes, he was talking about David Cameron and the European Union. And I thought, oh, wow. Okay. Not only did we preview the Great Battle of Wallingford, but also Brexit. <laughs> And this was also a little bit um, of a showcase for for Andrew's love of quizzes. It was just kind of a pop quiz. Yes. His usual kind of torturous quizzes. Which is why it was so much better. (laughs) I know. Every time Andrew does a quiz, I get really excited for him because I love quizzes too. And I think they'll be funny and they never quite go the way he wants them to. No. (laughs) Uh, WGBH out here every Friday does uh, a news quiz in the last hour of their midday news program. And it's a couple of longtime commercial talk radio hosts who got pulled over to public radio after Boston's talk radio station died. And so they are very light on their feet and lighter than the average, uh, you know, public radio host. And they have guests in who play the news quiz. And it's very similar to what Andrew used to produce on Cairo. I I think that when they go to these conventions and things, uh, news quiz is probably one of the things they trade notes on. Uh, Do you think they have a panel on news quiz? (laughs) (laughs) With buzzers. Right. Um, Led by Peter Sagan. Yeah, I remember... uh, I remember his Cairo news quizzes from time to time, and they were great, but they played to that format mm-hmm, mm-hmm. really well. I think the problem with CBTL is, is it's too easy to get sidetracked for the discipline it takes to do that. Yes. Yeah. Well, one of my personal um, favorite Andrew quiz things is when he does it on After These Messages. You know, maybe everybody doesn't listen to After These Messages here, but... He they makes probably these, do. He makes up these quizzes for Genevieve. They're too and they hard. are so hard. I know. And she gets so mad at him because they're so hard. And he thinks, oh, this one will be easier. And it's not. He just has no uh, concept of what the appropriate level of questions are. I know. It's a good thing he's not a professor, actually. I'm thinking his tests would be... I bet. 
random. As long as he grades on a curve, I don't care. Right. <laughs> it's a diagnosis from our doctor of education. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually, when I would listen to the after these messages once, I thought, this is terrible. <laughs> you know what, though? I don't care because it gets Genevieve riled up. That's enjoyable. Um. I know this episode is a never-ending fountain of content, but is there anything else we want to get into tonight about this episode? <laughs> well, I do. I, I have a couple more things. I just want to say at the very end of the segment and the show, Andrew says, we should do TBTL at some point today. Which <laughs> <laughs> is great. Excellent. And then the other thing that I wanted to contribute to this is I think that it was this episode that occasioned my very, very first interaction with Mike Frizzell on Facebook. And I'm 100% sure that he doesn't remember this because it was still back in the days when he was the TBTL blogger. So he would do the blog every day and he put up a snarky thing about Kai Rizdahl on there that I thought was hilariously funny. And, of course, feeling the way that I feel about Kai Rizdahl, I was moved for perhaps the first time ever to comment. And I put some funny thing, well, I thought it was funny, about how I was not going to stand for this character assassination of Kai Rizdahl anymore. And that I would meet Luke in any shitty parking lot and fight him (laughs) over this. And Mike replied to me with this explanation of, well, you know, it's just because Kyra's doll is so smooth that it gets to the point of self-parody. And I was like, oh, crap, he thinks I'm serious. He just doesn't know me. I think that's so sweet that he explained himself to you. Yeah. And so I, I replied to him something like, Yes, but every I understand, but every girl needs a good piece of cheese every once in a while. And then he posted a picture of a mini Bababel, and I knew that we were fine. Nice. <laughs> and Anne doesn't know it, but it was at that point that, that he filed her away under potentially useful in the future. Uh-huh. I'm sure, sure. And uh-huh. then when, when, <laughs> when archiving came around and Anne's name came back up and we said, how about her as a co-host? <laughs> Good choice. I'm sure that that was in the back of his mind. I owe it all to Kyra's doll. Just yes, one more this, thing. Exactly. This entire empire is yours now. <laughs> yes, I remember Anne's first episode and thinking, oh, she's going to be good on this. I hope they bring her back. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh-huh. I can't listen to that episode. Oh, it was good. Uh, everybody's starting to learn that your episode on LRB is really just an audition. That's true. There is a chance you may be back. Yeah. Anytime. How uh, about a little housekeeping? Uh, just a reminder uh, on our archiving raffle for your wagon full of loot. Uh, we have just announced, uh, well, last week now, as you hear this, our first winner. And at the end of every month, we're going to assign another winner. You may have noticed when we did that, we did not tell you whose wagon full of loot that winner will be getting. Uh, mm. We'll leave that a surprise until he receives it. So uh, also because we haven't decided yet. But we will <laughs> assign that probably before you hear this and get that out in the mail. Uh, and we are all really excited to do these wagons. We have spent more time talking about this than things like, when are we going to tape the next episode? Right. 
<laughs> so clearly that's where our priorities are and we hope that you all enjoy them it's it's been it, this started out as a regional snack food thing but now i think we're all really getting invested in wanting to really show our appreciation for the people who do all this archiving work so keep archiving guys so we can uh get you in for your chance to win one of these because if you don't we won't have anyone to do them for and then we'll be sad and also as always uh do your shopping uh through amazon through our link littleredbandwagon.com slash amazon same cost to you but we get some pennies if you would like to be on the show do what ellen did go to the website littleredbandwagon.com and fill out the be our guest form. We'd love to have you on. You can catch up with us on Facebook at the Stens page or on our page. Our show Twitter is at LRB Podcast. Ellen, are you on social media other than Facebook where people can get a hold of you? Um, I am on Twitter, but kind of on and off. I'm not super active, so Facebook's probably best. So friend Ellen on Facebook, and you can see pictures of her dog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's very photogenic. <laughs> <laughs> Email us anytime at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. We want to hear what you have to say. And you can leave us a voicemail at 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. Ellen, thanks for being our guest tonight. It was so fun to talk to you. Thank you, guys. This was really fun. I love what you're doing with Little Red Bandwagon. Oh, that's really sweet. So, um, Bobby, do you have anything to add before we get out of here? Uh, well, just when we're done, as long as we have a doctor on, I've got this thing on my back I want <laughs> Ellen to look at. So what all you'll right, need to do is give right. it an educational activity. <laughs> Think about your assessment. Okay, I, I will get us out of here. <laughs> Until next time, this is the next party. And Jen, with your discipline that was thrown out the window long after you left, we love you. Ellen, it's your turn. Nailed it. Is that it? That's That's it. it. Thank you.